Last week was Resurrection Day. We are in a study in the letter to the Ephesians on redemption. And then I listened to what we read out of Leviticus, and you kind of watch people's eyes glaze over on the sacrifice and don't burn the fat or the lobe off the liver and make sure the skin doesn't go on the altar. And everybody's kind of like, oh, man, what is all of this all about? I was like, don't mess it up. (laughs) Yet it all fits in to redemption. What you have in the Old Testament, and I, I love the Old Testament, but I have to say that my preference is the New Testament because the New Testament is the fulfillment of what was given to us in the Old Testament. And I've had people ask me in the past, well, you know, you're, you're going verse by verse through the New Testament. When are you going to do the Old Testament? Once you guys got the New Testament down. So it's in your court. <laughs> when you got this all figured out and working, then we'll go jump into some. Truth of the matter is, I have taught out of the Old Testament before, uh, usually uh, something similar to topics. It's amazing to me in this day and age, and we call it a, a, a time of information, how many people have no idea what redemption is have no idea. So, if you would please, Ephesians chapter 1, second half of verse 6 through 10. Which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intentions, which he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things in the earth in him. Father, give us ears to hear hearts and souls that are so wide open to this that we may understand Now, Father, when we look at this, beginning in verse 3 through 14, that we are literally looking at the Trinity's plan. And, Father, let us know that before the foundations of the earth, the Godhead set this all up. Father, help us to be overwhelmed by that. But, Father, help us. Help us to rejoice in it, no matter what we're dealing with. Father, no matter what the pain, the suffering, the annoyances that this temporal place throws at us, Father, help us. Help us to embrace it. To you, my King, my Lord. Amen. What we've been looking at is basically different aspects of the Trinity's plan. All right? And that's what we've been moving through this And we are in this section here, 6b through 10, which is the Trinity's meaning of redemption. And I shared with you that the word that we call redemption means to be bought off a slave block. Okay, but it's buying someone off a slave block for their freedom. All right. And, and, and that's we, we kind of struggle with that. I I see a lot of of text in, in the. Now, and you'll see him talk about bond slaves, this, that, and the other. That term was added. It's a slave. 
Paul says, I am a slave of Christ. All right. And, and, and I don't think people, you know, we're kind of in the, the political correct age when well, we don't want to talk about slavery. Well, you know what? The truth of the matter is, if you're a human being today, you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. I mean, and do you understand I use the word slave? That means you're not the master. Okay? I mean, you like to think you are, but you're not. You're not. And, and I try to get people to understand that, but that's one of those that I've learned as a, as a brother in Christ, as a pastor, that there are certain things if God don't show them, they ain't seeing. Okay? And that, I can do that with unbelievers, but I can do that with believers too. Because I see believers, we were having that conversation this morning, that too many in the body of Christ right now are trying to use an experience to exegete theology. Well, you do that enough, you'll end up outside of Waco, Texas with DEA outside. Because it's, I had a friend of mine says the Bible is like a prisoner of war. If you persecute it enough, it'll say anything. And, and I see people who will do weird yoga things to try to make the Bible validate whatever their experience was. I also know that I came out of the 60s and 70s that if you go looking for an experience, you will find one. Now, whether it's of God or not is the question. But if your focus is on that experience, you got problems. All right? Because what do you do with the experience that Jesus told us? It's a promise. In this life, you will have tribulation. Okay? But you won't find that in the little promise book of Jesus. But it's still in there. All right? So what we're looking at is that in the meaning of redemption to be bought out of slavery, there is a redeemer. We all know who that is. That is God. God had a plan. Okay. In the past, he made a plan. You and I presently are living in that plan, looking for the future of the fullness of that plan. All right. And that's what we're dealing with here in these verses. This one sentence in verse 3 to 14, 202 words that absolutely encompass all of existence for all of eternity. But there is the redeemed. And I showed you that in chapter 2, verse 1. Who's that? It's us. We who have come to the saving faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and our sins have been forgiven. That's the redeemed. That was the power of God's plan in the past. And now those of us who are truly saved bear witness to the power of the redemptive plan. But now today I want to look at verse 7, the first half of verse 7. In him, this is Paul's freak out word. In him, we are in Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Through his blood. Okay, that's the price. The cost to the Redeemer 
For these redeemed is blood. Is blood. The price to buy us out of the slave market of sin. You go through that. Look at Leviticus. Okay. Just look at Leviticus and look at the blood. Why? That's the horror of sin. The horror of sin. Do you realize that on the Passover night that Jesus was arrested? Conservative estimates believe that there was close to two million sheep slaughtered. Can you fathom that? Have you ever been around a slaughterhouse? Okay, now think about that. Two million. And you got them priests, boy, (laughs) working their rear ends off. All right. But I also I've been on the Temple Mount and there's drainage ditches that came out of where the altar stood. And they go downhill and they funnel off the side of the wall, the Temple Mount, and they would fall into the Kidron. It's a stream that runs on the east side of the Temple Mount. So when Jesus crossed the Kidron to go over to the Mount of Olives, he'd had to cross this pinkish colored river that was flowing with the blood of the lambs that were slain as he was preparing to be the lamb to be slain. The price to buy us out of the slave market. I mean, the writer of Hebrews says, you know what? The blood of bulls and goats never did nothing. They kept reminding us of the depth of our depravity. That's all they did. You had to go in. I mean, I cannot imagine being in that system. By the time I made one sin offering and then I walk out and somebody step on my bare toe and my sandals, I'd have to go back and make another sin offering. You never get her done with it. Passover is the Passover to sins of the nation. That holiday ain't long enough for the sins of the nations. What was the price to take us back? If you go back to Genesis, what you find, the essence of Genesis, what Adam did, is that he signed over the right of creation to Satan. God had given man the authority over creation. And man in his infinite wisdom said, nah, I'll give it to the devil. That's why if you look at the letter of Revelations and you see the scroll, who is worthy to open the scroll? And that is a picture of the title deed of the universe. And one steps forward. Looking as a lamb that had been Slain. He bought back the universe. And he did it with his blood. How in the world is the bondage of sin broken? How do you break it? Well, I can tell you what all of science says. They can tell you, you know, stay away from your triggers. From my what? From your triggers. You know, those things that cause you to act stupid. Control your minds. 
Stay away from these certain things. And you know what? Sin is sin. And I don't care who you are. It wants to master you. It doesn't want to make you feel better. It doesn't want to entertain you. It don't want to entice you. It wants to master you. And you know what? For centuries, man thought he could do it. And he can't. It's impossible. That's why you see all the rules and regulations. If man isn't sinful, why do we need laws? Okay? And God started off with ten, and we thought we could improve on it. Nowhere in my Bible does it say I need to do 25 in a school zone. I've looked. It's not in there. Listen, the Bible is clear, very clear. What you're seeing in Leviticus is some of the greatest clarity that you can get. Okay? The wages of sin is what? Death. And they want death of innocence. I mean, we don't... One of the things that always amazed me about uh, the Passover, when it was instituted, they brought them out of Egypt. Okay? You went and you got a perfect lamb. Okay? A lamb. You know what a lamb is, right? Cute fuzzies. It just, wee dee 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 dee. And it just, oh, and you could hold it. And, and you know what you were supposed to do with that lamb? Live with it. Seven days. And no doubt your little kids would come up and say, it has a name. All right. And once you name that thing, I raised some turkeys years ago and I named them Christmas and Thanksgiving. I didn't want anybody. Well, but look how cute they are. Wait till you see how well they taste. But to go live with the lamb for seven days in your house to kill it. Really? And then cook it. And you want me to do what? Eat it. And don't save any of it. You've got to eat it all. The wages of sin is death. The price of sin is death. Someone must die for sin. Someone had to die for sin. Jesus did. And when he gave us redemption through his Blood. Now, I've watched people get goofy about this blood thing. You know, well, you've just, you've got, because that's when you take the Lord's table, that's just, you're getting spilled on by His blood. Well, I got news for you. I buy that stuff monthly, and it's grape juice. Okay? You can call it anything you want, but it's grape juice. Okay? And I know that if I throw that thing on my forehead, it ain't going to do a thing with my sin. Okay? But I watch people say, well, you know, it's the blood. No, it's the life. Have you ever heard this phrase? You can bleed to death. When the blood is gone, guess what happens? See, bye-bye. This is his death. When you say you read that and it says through his blood, redemption came through his blood. The life is in the blood. 
You can't run around and bleed on every Christian. And it doesn't mean that you run around and say, well, you've got to take the Lord's table or you won't be saved. You can't make that dog hunt. It ain't nowhere in there. Jesus poured out his life for the redeemed. Sacrificial. Substitutionary. Violent. Death for sin. What we're looking at in Leviticus, whether it's the scapegoat, all right, and you put your hand on the blood on the forehead of one, you take it outside, guess what? He's still the lucky one. Where did the blood come for the handprint? His cousin Bob got his throat cut and the priest took that blood and put it on his hand. When you go look at the mercy seat, the mercy seat. I listen to people try to say, well, the priest goes and sits on the mercy seat. No, he doesn't. He ain't that stupid. What does he put on the mercy seat? Blood. From the sacrifice at the altar, he goes in and he sprinkles it on the seat. Okay? Why? I want to show you that there must be the shedding of blood, the loss of life for the forgiveness of sin. That is how it's illustrated. The point is this. A life is poured out in substitution. That's what the Passover lamb was. Listen, in the New Testament, if you look at this and you're, you're true to the text, you will see that Jesus gave his blood for us. You will also see that he gave his soul for us. You will also see that he gave his life for us. You will also see that he gave himself for us. And it all still means the same thing. Same thing. He died for us. That was the price. He was the substitution. He took our place. I want you to think about this. If you're a believer today, okay, because there's sometimes that we forget about this. If you're a believer today, do you understand That that cross was personally for you? Do you understand it should have been your rear end on it? Do you understand when Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was supposed to be you? You were supposed to spend eternity separated from your creator because of your sin. And don't give me this, well, they made me do it. No, they didn't. That's Flip Wilson theology. That ain't true. It is our nature to sin. You don't believe me? Who keeps teaching our kids to lie? There has to be a school, and it is a very effective school. I have never had it run into a child ever that did not struggle at a time or two with truth. And who told them that? No parent says, now, Johnny, you're five now. It's time to lie. They don't do that. Kids just do it. Why? Because that's their nature. That's the nature. Listen, the cross was for us. It should have been us 
on the cross. Each of us. We should have paid the price of our sin. That debt, your sin, my sin, is my debt, is your debt. You owe it. I owe it. Our bill. The debt is ours. We should have paid the price. The price, death. For eternity. Separated from God. Our bill, our debt. Listen, we should have paid it. I don't care who you are. That is pure justice. Pure justice. Separated from God. Why? Your sin. No, it ain't other people's sin in your life because you'd have to pay a debt. I was reading Linsky. It's really awesome. Quote, God's justice is mingled with his mercy. Unquote. The Trinity's plan was to provide a redeemer for the redeemed. That was the plan before the foundations of the earth. And it had to be a substitute. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. It's only been one. Listen, you can crucify about every human being that ever walked the planet. And you ain't paying for sin. They are. But it ain't going to cover anybody else's. Only Jesus. The Redeemer. Lord Jesus. His blood, his death was enough for our redemption. Paid in full. Nailed to a cross. The sacrificial system that you've seen in the Old Testament for centuries and centuries. Bulls and goats. What you're seeing in Leviticus, what you saw in Exodus for the Passover. When you see all of this, the thing that God was trying to show you and I and Israel at that time was, do you understand the disaster of your sin? And that you can't pay the price. It doesn't matter what you do. The writer of Hebrews calls it types and symbols. I can look at it and see. Listen, Jesus' death was actual. Jesus' death, he did it. And I hear people trying to say, well, he didn't really die. No, he really died. Because I've, I've, I've read, I've listened to all of the silliness that comes out of it. And they say, well, you know, he woke up in the cool of the tomb and he had just passed out on the cross. And then he got up and he walked out. Right. I had a dislocated bone in the top of my foot one time playing football. I had never had anything hurt me so bad in my life. I couldn't put a sock on. Okay. You're telling me that someone run... A peg through the arches of his feet. And he got up in two days and walked out. Sure he did. He walked out. But I got news for you. It was by the power of God he walked out of there. 
I mean, that's a, you really think about it. That takes more faith to believe that than the resurrection. Well, yeah, he just swooned. He swooned? He swooned. One offering. One perfect offering. Do you understand when you look at this, how offensive works religion is to God? Do you understand that? If I look at this, that it was redemption through his blood, who in their right mind says they can achieve their own salvation? That's nuts. One offering, perfect offering, forever those who are sanctified. By the one offering, by his precious blood, his precious blood poured out. He alone paid the price. He alone paid the debt of sin. And he offers you and I canceled debt. Now, listen, I want you to understand something here. If you've ever had any altercations with the law enforcement. I hope you haven't, but if you have traffic ticket or something like that, you get a speeding ticket, you go in and then what do they do? Plea bargain it. You're supposed to get 152 points because you were doing 100 mile an hour in a school zone. But what we'll do, you pay a $500 fine, we'll drop that to defective vehicle. Okay? Off you go. Right? Plea bargain it. Let's make a deal. Okay? This ain't a plea bargain. God's justice must be satisfied or he's not just. His justice says there must be death for sin. How's he get around it? He sends a redeemer. His son, him incarnate. That's how it works. He cancels the debt. Okay, it's not been... Plea bargained. Okay. No. It is paid in full. It is paid in full. He bought us back from the slave market of sin. He bought us back from the disaster that Adam bestowed upon all of us. We are no longer slaves to sin. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing to me because when I really think about this, I think about Peter. Peter writes in 1 Peter, Peter, 1 Peter is a suffering letter. Okay. He's writing to people who are dying for their faith. Okay. And you, you need to keep that in mind. But he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, knowing that we are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, from your futile way of life, inherited from our forefathers, but from the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished, the spotless blood of Christ. Peter knew it. Peter understood this thing completely. Now listen, he did some boneheaded things, absolutely. No different than the rest of us. Okay? But he understood gold and silver ain't buying you out of this. Nothing in the futile temporal life is going to get you out of this. It will take the precious, unblemished lamb's blood of Jesus 
Christ. No wonder Peter thought it was precious. Listen, you know, one of the things that I, I do, because I, I, it's, it's funny, you listen to people, that they get into revelations, and it's, it's really kind of comical to me at times, because they're kind of missing it. Everybody thinks they're going to go find something in revelations that nobody else has ever found in 2,000 years. So, okay, knock yourself out. One of the things that I find amazing about the book of Revelations is chapter 5, the book, the title to the creation, and the seven seals. Chapter 5, verse 9. Let me give you a picture here that John is seeing. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. He who took the book was the Lamb, okay? Each one holding a harp. And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Okay? Then this happens. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. You who were slain and purchased for God with your blood men of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest of our God. And they will reign upon the earth. Now, I'm not going to try to sing that because I don't know the melody. But it is a song. And I think about it for a second. And you're like, well, man, you got the 24 elders. you got the creatures. And you got the Jesus standing there with the scroll in his hand. And you're like, well, man. And, this, and, you, know, and you know that everybody singing in heaven is perfectly on key. All right, but that ain't done. Then I looked and I heard the voices of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them were myriads of myriads. That's like gazillions, myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying in a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that has been slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Every created thing that is in the heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. That's the blood. The precious blood. I can't imagine an angelic choir and every creature in the heavens, on the earth, under the earth, under the seas, they are all saying worthy is the lamb that was slain. Paul writing to the Romans says all of creation groans for redemptions of the sons of God. Why? Because then sin's effect on this poor place will be completely obliterated. The life and blood of Jesus Christ paid the penalty entirely. Paid the price for sin. Paid to release the slaves from sin. Set apart the captives free from bondage of sin. Set the captives free. He liberated the sons of God. Okay? In this new freedom... They, we, are in absolute, total, complete, 
harmony with Christ Jesus. Absolute. Absolute. We have become one in Christ. The same oneness that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has, the saints have. Now, you may not act like it, and I can't help that. But if you don't act like it, then I'm going to sit there and say, then you're not getting the redemption thing. You don't grasp that yet. You have been bought and paid for with the price. You have become one in Christ so that every good thing which the Father gives to the Son becomes what? Ours. Every good thing. His blood gave you access to that. Every believer from now into eternity. His substitution frees us. And you know what? This, I still get amazed about this. When I start looking at this, you start sitting there going, gee, many crickets. What in the blue? How? And yet, you know, I, as a pastor, you know, um, I was thinking about Gennady's letter. He says, you know, I'm visiting people in their homes and in the hospitals and sharing the gospel and all the rest of it. And I, the last couple of weeks have not been some of the more pleasant things in my life. Okay? You see the suffering of people. You know, yeah, some of it is self-inflicted. Uh, some of it isn't. I think about the heartache that I see just in the last two weeks, you know, dealing with Michael and and Todd and all these other people that are in in awful places, dealing with people who are so blind and yet you have no ability to remove the scales. And I mean, you just you throw up your hands and think, I don't get it. I don't get it. And yet I think about. The blood of Jesus Christ at our redemption freed us completely from the guilt of sin. Did you hear what I said? Well, but you don't understand. No, I do understand. Well, but I just sinned before I got here. Still doesn't mean you ain't forgiven. Oh, or perhaps you're going to work it out. Really? Do you know that it freed us from the condemnation of sin? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, but you just don't understand what I did. No, you don't understand what he did. Do you understand that that blood of Jesus Christ freed us from the power of sin? It doesn't have an effect. We let it. Master us. Remember when we were studying Corinthians? Everything's permissible, but not everything is profitable. I will be mastered by nothing. It removes us, frees us from the penalty of sin. Think about that. I don't have to worry about the guilt of sin. I don't have to worry about the condemnation of sin. I don't have to worry about the power of sin. I don't have to worry about the penalty of sin. And you know what? After the last weeks that I've had, I'm looking forward that someday it will remove me from the presence of sin. 
So, the meaning of redemption? There is a Redeemer. There are the redeemed. And there was a price for redemption. Now you should get excited. Because next week, we will look at the results of redemption. The results of redemption. Let us pray. Father, we, the redeemed, called by your name, under the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of his atoning work, his substitution. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that we understand that it should have been us on the cross. It should have been us separated from you. And yet, Father, in your love, your mercy, your power, and your planning, you redeemed us, bought us from the slave market of sin. What an awesome God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these words from the Apostle Paul. Even as he's writing these, he's in prison for preaching the gospel. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these precious souls that are here today. Father, they understand their freedom is matched by nothing that this world could ever offer. Help us to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Help each of us to walk worthy of our redemption and help us have nothing but praises and blessings upon the King of kings and Lord of lords as we move through this life. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.